a year of spiritual renewal here at the Bridge Church. And our desire, our longing, our hope is that everyone here would, would encounter God in a rich, intimate way, that you'd have unhurried time in God's presence, and that you would experience a, a deeper joy in your walk with Jesus. And so we're going to spend a lot of time in Ephesians in the first six months of this year. We're going to walk through Ephesians very, very slowly. That kicks off in February. But tonight I want to kick off the year with Psalm 63. Psalm 63. And my question tonight is this. How's your soul? How's your soul? It's a great question to ask people. Uh, not just how's life, how's work, how's the family, how you going, but to say, how's your soul? How's your walk with the Lord? How are you going with God right now? And so as your pastor, I want to kick off 2024 by asking you that question. How's your soul right now? I mean, spiritually, are, are you on fire for the Lord or are you flat? Spiritually, are you delighting in God? Or is God a bit distant and you're feeling dry? Spiritually, are, are you enjoying a, an intimate relationship with God, a, a close walk with the Lord, or is it more sort of cold and a bit calculated and a bit cordial? Are you striving for holiness? Are you pursuing purity because, because you know it draws you closer to the Lord? Or are you just coasting with God? How's your soul right now? The soul is a big business. Apparently, everyone's into the soul. So here's a fact for you. If you, if you put the, the word soul into the title of your book, your book sales will increase about 15 to 20%. Because everybody's into the soul. But when I say, how's your soul, I, I'm not talking about spiritual fluffiness. I'm, I'm asking you, how's your relationship with the real God with a real heavenly Father who, who made you, who knows you, who created you, who loves you, who cares for you, who's there for you, are you walking closely with Him right now? I became a Christian 34 years ago, and I came from a totally unchurched background. And I remember when my friend David first asked me this question. He said, Paul, how's your soul? And I'm thinking, what is he asking? It made no sense to me. As a new Christian, I mean, was it normal that my, that my prayer life went up and down like a yo-yo? Was it normal that sometimes I, I left church on a Sunday buzzing and excited and sometimes bored? Was it, was it normal that I could be on fire for the Lord one month and the next month feel dry and flat? I, I just didn't get it. But it's a really important question. How is your soul? Again, I'm not asking, do you come to church? I'm not asking, do you read your Bible? I'm asking, What's your walk with the Lord like? And that's why the Psalms are so beautiful, because they're rich and they are raw. And Psalm 63 is all about your soul, especially when you're feeling dry. So look at the superscript, because that's, that's part of the Scriptures. Psalm 63, a Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. So that's the context that, that David is a fugitive. He's on the run. He's, he's fled Jerusalem. He's gone over the Kidron Valley, and he's in the desert. He's in the wilderness. 
And this psalm was written when, when David was being chased by his own son, Absalom. You can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 15. But the context is that David is all alone, in the middle of nowhere. No food, no water, no company. And he writes this most amazing psalm. This is a psalm for us when we're in the desert. This is a psalm for, for you when life hasn't turned out as you expected. This is a psalm when you feel alone and you feel distant and you feel spiritually dry. That's why I love this psalm because we all go through seasons of dryness. We all go through seasons where we feel distant. And our big idea tonight is this, thirsting for God. Thirsting for God. My soul thirsts for God. That's what David says in verse 1. Look at it with me. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. It's just, just so visual. It's like his physical location is a picture of his spiritual life. Physically, he's in the desert. Physically, he has no water and no food and no comforts and no temple and no friends. And he's hungry, he's tired, he's exhausted. And that's how he feels about God. He recognizes his biggest need is God. He's longing for God. Verse 1 again, you God are my God, earnestly I seek you. That word earnestly, it could be early, it could be eagerly. He's saying my top priority in life, God, is you. From the moment I wake up, I just want you, God. I long for your presence, God. I long to be refreshed by you. I'm so dry. I'm so thirsty. And I, I just need you, God. And what struck me this week is that when life is tough for David, God does not drop off his radar. It's the exact opposite, actually. When life is tough for David, the more he longs for God. All he wants is God again. But I don't reckon we actually get the concept of thirsting. Because we live in a city where if you're slightly thirsty, you, you just run to the nearest tap, turn on a tap, out comes some drinking water, you drink your water, and you're not thirsty anymore. The closest I've ever come to feeling really, really thirsty, I, I used to compete in Ironman triathlons, and around the, the nine-hour mark, you're kind of fatigued, you're, you're dehydrated, and you're just desperate. And on, on the marathon run, the, the water stations are, are two kilometers apart, but that two kilometers feels like a million miles because you're just desperate. That's the feeling here. He's desperate for God. He is longing for closeness, for intimacy. He's just desperate for the presence of God again. It's like when my kids hurt themselves. If my kids injure themselves, they don't come to me and say, hey, Dad, give me some wisdom. They just cry, Dad, I want you. Dad, hug me. That's what David is saying. God, I want you. Yes, I need food. Yes, I need shelter. Yes, I need companionship. Yes, there's a, a, a bucket load of things I need, but what I need more than anything else, God, is, is you. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever say that? God, I long for you. 
God, I need you. It's funny, as a pastor, the, the most common thing that comes out of your mouths as you talk to me is, I'm feeling spiritually dry right now. I hear it endlessly, I'm feeling spiritually dry. I, and as a pastor, if someone, if someone came to you and, and said, I'm feeling physically thirsty, physically dry, you would say to them, well, there's a tap. There's hundreds of taps. Go, go and get yourself a drink of water. And so when people come and say, I'm feeling spiritually dry, everything within me wants to say, well, there's God. Now, God hasn't gone anywhere. Are you going to God? Are you running to God? Are you, are you refreshing yourself with God? Because there's no other solution for your dryness than go to God, fill yourself with God, refresh yourself with God again. Because he hasn't gone anywhere. That, that feeling of spiritual dryness is real. But God longs for us to run to him. Did you know that most of us here are dehydrated most of the time? As human beings, we, we just don't drink enough water. And our, our bodies don't function as they could or should because we, we're actually dehydrated and we just don't recognize it. And I want to say that most of us are spiritually dehydrated most of the time. And we're not functioning as we could or should, should because we're not refreshing ourselves with God. So let me give you five quick reasons why we must thirst for God. Number one, because of a personal relationship. David's got this, this personal, intimate relationship with God. The key word in verse 1 is that word, my. Look at verse 1 again. He, he doesn't say, you, God, are God. You, God, are the creator. You, God, are the almighty. You, God, are powerful. You, God, are sovereign. He says, you, God, are my God. My God. Think about it. How many people in your life do you call my I'd say, my Rachel, my wife, my boys, my mum, my family. Because that word my is a word of closeness, a depth of personal relationship, a mark of intimacy. My God. This is not a superficial relationship. This is not a generic relationship. He's not saying, God, if you're really there, show yourself to me. God, I'm searching for you, but I can't find you. He says, no. God, you're my God. I need you because you're mine. Even in the desert, even then, your covenant relationship has not changed. You are still my God. I'm still your child. And that language of verse 1 is a language of, of yearning, of panting, of longing. Verse 1 literally says, not I thirst for you, but my body faints for you. My body longs to be near you again. You ever experienced a, a loved one living overseas? Uh, and phone calls are good and FaceTime is okay, but nothing beats just being in their presence and seeing them and touching them and smelling them and just being with them. 
It's like when you greet someone at the airport that you haven't seen for a long time. I hope you don't just stand there with a sign saying, hello, welcome. hope that you, you run and you hug them because they're home. That's the feeling in David's heart. He, he just wants to be in God's presence again. I don't know, maybe this psalm makes no sense to you. Maybe you're saying, what are you talking about, Paul? I'm talking about a real relationship, a personal relationship with God. When you can say, Jesus, you're my Savior. You're my Lord. You're my Redeemer. You're my friend. You forgave my sins. And it's not just transactional, and it's not just generic out there. It's personal. Even when you feel distant, you are still his child and he is still your God. So you thirst because of your personal relationship. You thirst because of past experience. I I love verse 2. Past tense. I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. And David is saying here, I look back at those times where I was close to you. I look back to those times where I experienced you, God. I have seen you in the sanctuary. And that could be talking about a theophany where perhaps David had a a personal manifestation of God. It could be that. More likely, it's he's just looking back to his temple experience. Because day after day after day, David would have gone to the temple. And he would have experienced God's power and God's glory. In case you've forgotten, the the temple was a visual spectacle. And so God's people would walk to the temple and they'd be be singing praise songs to Yahweh. And they would experience blood being shed. And they, they would see God's Shekinah glory. And they'd see the smoke and it would smell of this incense. And and as they walked away from the temple, they didn't just walk away knowing that transactionally they'd been forgiven. Of course they had been forgiven, but it was way more than transactional. As they went to the temple, they'd met with God. They'd met with God, they'd encountered God, they'd they'd seen his glory, they'd seen his power. And now David's in the desert, he's in the wilderness, cut off from that temple. And he's got these memories. He says, God, I remember the time when I I sang as I walked to the temple. I I remember the time when that blood was shed for me. And I remember feeling forgiven. And I remember encountering you, God. I remember that, God, and I long for that again. And church, I hope you've had experiences like that. I hope in your Christian walk you've had seasons of being so close to God. and And if you're not feeling that right now, You can say, Lord, I remember the times when I I stood in church and I sang the worship songs and there was deep joy in my heart. And Lord, I remember the times when the word went out at church and I felt like you were talking to me personally and I left church excited for you, God. And Lord, I remember the times when I served you passionately and joyfully. And Lord, I remember sitting in my bedroom just with the word of God and it was like, like honey to my lips. Lord, I remember those times I'm not feeling that right now, God. And I long for that again. That's the beauty of past experience. Because you can have it again. Uh, William Cowper was an 18th century songwriter, and he struggled with depression, he struggled with dryness, and he, 
he, he wrote this poem and he realized how far he had walked from God. It's called A Closer Walk with God. He said this, Where is the blessedness I knew when first I sought the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed. How sweet their memory still. But they've left an aching void the world can never fill. If you are spiritually dry, please don't fill that void with the things of the world that will never satisfy you. Fill it with Jesus. I write a daily journal. And every day I write down things about God that I've encountered or experienced or things I've learned about God. But, but something happened about 10, 12 years ago. I, I, I stopped just writing down a verse of Scripture that had spoken to me. And I began to write down how I felt about God, my closeness with God, or, or a worship song that I was particularly fixing on that day. And, and, and there's been seasons of my, of my own Christian life where I've been, I've been dry, I've been struggling. You know that. This time last year, I was spiritually dry. I was struggling. And to, to look back on, on my journal and to look back on those past experiences of God and say, oh yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. I want that again. Maybe that's something you could do for 2024 journal so that in the future when you're spiritually dry, you can look about that, that past experience. So personal relationship, past experience. Number three, perfect love. Uh, I'm not into tattoos. I'm not inked yet. But I reckon verse 3 Verse 3 is a great tattoo verse. If you're looking for more ink, verse 3. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Just say it again. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. It's a great verse. Notice David does not say what we often say. We often say, Lord... If you love me, protect me. If you love me, provide for me. Lord, if you love me, direct me. Lord, if you love me, care for me. Lord, if you love me, give me what I really, 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 really want. There's no if in verse 3. It's because. Because you love me. So different, isn't it? We, we sometimes slip into this saying, God loves me because. God loves me because I go to church. God loves me because I read my Bible. God loves me because, because, because. And it's the other way around. Because God loves me, I come to church. Because God loves me, I, I love to sing his praises. Because God loves me. And, and David looks at God and goes, wow, God, you do love me. Fact. And the word for love there is the word hesed. It's the word that Betsy's got tattooed on your wrist. And it means loving kindness. It means steadfast love. It's hard to translate. It's God's unchanging, immovable, unmerited, enduring, pledged love. It's like at a wedding when a bride and groom say, I pledge thee my vow. What they're saying there is, what they're supposed to be saying there is, uh, no matter what happens, no matter what happens in life, no matter how you treat me, no matter how I feel towards you, I promised, I pledged my love, I will always, always love you. 
And David realizes that God has pledged his love to him personally. And you've got to know that, friends, deeply, deeply loved by God. If you ever question whether God loves you, look back to the cross of Christ. 1 John 4 says, this is love, not that we love God, but God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's love is perfect. It is beautiful. It is steadfast. It's not always pleasant. Love is not always pleasant. It's sometimes painful. And God's love does not mean that he always gives you what you want. No loving parents give their child everything they want. That's not good for them. But when you're secure in God's Hesed love, when you know that nothing you do will make God love you more, then verse 3 makes sense. Because your love is better than life. God, your love is better than my health and my family. God, your love is better than my career. God, your love is better than friendship and hobbies and holidays. God, your, your love is better than anything else in my life. And because of that, my lips will, will glorify you. I'm going to thirst for you. I'm going to praise you, God. I don't know, maybe you need to bathe in God's love again. Preach yourself the gospel that you are loved by God. Number four, we thirst because of God's present help. Look down to verse six. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you, God, through the watch of the night. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, God, and your right hand upholds me. I love these verses. Uh, David doesn't want to fall asleep at night with his, his mind, his head, swimming full of all the things of this world. As we go through every single day, there is so much noise and so much stuff that happens. But as he lies down at night, as he lies down to sleep, his mind is filled with, with God. Nothing but God will satisfy him. And can I encourage us to, to cultivate this, this discipline of filling our minds with God? As you go through the day, fill your mind with God. Memorize scriptures. Let the word of Christ dwell in your heart richly. And when I say memorize scriptures, I don't just mean that you know what the verse says. It's easy to know what the word says. We need to know the God who is behind that verse of Scripture. Let me unpack that for you. It's easy for me to know Psalm 46, verse 1, you know, God is my strength and refuge and ever-present help in times of trouble. I can quote that verse. It's another thing when I'm lying in my bed at night and my mind is thinking about the turmoil or the trials or the tragedy to say, God, you are. You are my strength. You are strong. You are powerful, and, and I'm not. And you are my refuge. You are my safe place. You are the place that I run to. And you are present, and you do help me. Now, there's a world of difference between knowing the Scriptures and knowing the God who is behind the Scriptures. And so, so David just doesn't, doesn't just know Scripture. He knows God. I remember you, God. And I think of you through the watch of the night. When he wakes up in the middle of the night with his, his mind racing, he thinks of God. Why? Because, verse 7, because, God, you are my help. And because of verse 8, because, God, your right hand upholds me. See that about God? He helps and he holds. He helps us 
and he upholds us. And we must believe that about God. He's our helper. Psalm 121, I I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He, He won't let your foot slip. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. Isn't that beautiful that, that your help comes from the, the one who created this universe? If he's powerful to create the universe, he is powerful enough to keep you and to help you. So why do we run to false things to help us when God is longing to help us? He helps us. And verse 6, his right hand upholds us, holds on to us. And it's a picture of a, of a father's hand that is holding on tightly to their child. And if you, know, if you walk down the harbor, just down the harbor, it's got this, this, this railing all the way around the harbor to protect you from the harbor. And then when you come to, to Luna Park, the railing stops, and you've got this sheer drop between the pathway and, and the, the harbor. Now, trust me, when I'm walking my, my boys around the harbor, especially when they were younger, when you get to that bit where the railing stops... I am not trusting my two or three-year-old to hold tightly to me. As a dad, I grab hold of their hand and I hold on to them for dear life. That's what God is promising you. He's holding on to you for dear life. His grip is much stronger than your grip ever will be. He upholds you. He doesn't let you go. So he helps you, he holds you, and all we do, verse 7, is we sing and we cling. Because you are my helper, I I sing in the shadow of your wings. It's a beautiful picture of of calmness and joy because you are protected under the the wing of a mother hen. You are covered by the shadow of an almighty God. And so you cling to God. Literally, you cleave to God. That's the word there, the same as a husband cleaves to a wife. You're you're intimate with God. You're close with God. You're connected with God. And when you you start to say say things like this, then your perspective changes. So verses 9 to 11, David is confident in God's justice. Those who want to kill me, he says, will be destroyed. He is confident of God's judgment that they'll go down to the depth. He is confident that God can and will deliver his people. And my observation is that too many Christians in the desert time, they run to anything and everything but God for help. When God is the strong one who helps and holds. Lastly, if you're thirsting for God, the only response is to praise him. To praise him. Look back to verses 4 and 5. I deliberately missed them out. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of food. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. I hate pointing out a bad translation, but this is a bad translation. Because the word will there, when you read the word will, you could think that he's looking forward to a future time when he will praise God again. You could read verses 4 and 5 to say, I'm in the desert now, but I will praise you again in the future. That's not what it says. The word will is 
and now. In the desert, I will still praise you. In the desert, I will still be satisfied in you, God. In this moment, I'm committed to praising you, even when I don't feel like it. I will praise you as long as I live. A song I've been loving recently is Brooke Lidgetwood's song, Desert Song. This is my prayer in the desert when all that's within me feels dry. This is my prayer in my hunger and need. My God is the God who provides. And I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice and I will declare that God is my victory and he is here. So all of my life, in every season, you are still God and I still have a reason to sing. Friends, whatever season you're in, try praising God in it. Whatever season you're going through, praise God now. When you feel alone, when you feel dry, when you feel distant, praise Him. Praise Him for His love, His grace, His compassion, His mercy, His faithfulness, His goodness, His presence, His protection, His discipline, His forgiveness, His power, His kindness. Praise Him. And I challenge you, the art of thirsting for God when in the darkest of valley is to praise him, to declare his goodness, to declare his glory, that he is still God and you've still got a reason to sing. Verse 4, in your name, I will lift up my hands, he says. And so, so this is actually a biblical posture. A, a biblical posture where we come to God and we're saying, God, I've got nothing to offer you. My hands are empty, but you are God. You are still God, and I've got a reason to sing. And you come to God like this with, with adoration in your heart, saying, God, I know that you are still God. I know you're still good, and I want to praise you. You may have heard of an African fruit called the taste berry. Apparently, the taste berry changes your taste buds. And so everything now tastes sweet. Even the sourest of foods taste sweet after a taste of berry. And that's Jesus Christ. When you've encountered Jesus and he is your Lord, my Lord, my Savior, the one who forgives me, the one who satisfies me, then everything else tastes sweet. I used to, I used to read these Psalms. And if I'm honest, I used to think, Oh, come on, who, who talks like this? Who talks like this? I thirst for you, I long for you, God. You fully satisfy me, God. It's all, all those religious nutters, they, they, they all talk like that. But then I realized that this psalm was written for me and for you. And we can talk like this and we should talk like this. Because our Heavenly Father longs for us to long for him, to thirst for him, to be satisfied in him, because we have seen his glory, we have seen his power in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you're here tonight and you are delighting in God, and you're intimate with God, keep on praising him. But if you're here tonight and you are dry, and you are distant, and your relationship is a bit cold, run to him. Let him quench your thirst because he does fully satisfy. So let me ask you again, how's your soul? How's your soul right now? 
And I hope you want to say, my soul thirsts for God. Let me pray. Oh God, you are our God. And earnestly we seek you. Pray for those, Lord, here tonight who are struggling, feeling alone, feeling distant, feeling dry. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, refresh us, satisfy us, make streams of living waters flow again within us. And Lord, because your love is better than life, our lips will glorify you. In Jesus' name.